Welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast. Wonderful to have you on board. This is the podcast where we talk about how technology is affecting the world of sports, entertainment, and media. And today we have a particularly interesting conversation with uh, World Rugby and with Sports Loft member Spalk to talk about remote production, the application of technology and fan engagement, uh, and how to use uh, phishing scams to catch out some of your more IT illiterate uh, staff. But before we do that, uh, I want to bring on board the uh, Dwayne, the grandee, if you will, of Sportsloft, the founder and CEO, Charlie Greenwood. Charlie, welcome to your own sports uh, to your own podcast. That's always very nice to be introduced like that, Yanni. Thank you. <laughs> uh, very, very quickly, how are you doing? Recovering from a broken collarbone? Is uh, everything uh, going as it's supposed to? Uh, I think so. It still hurts too much but it's a lot better than it was so uh, we're going in the right direction at least i'll take it that's well we're about to speak to ben who uh was obviously a huge part of the launch of of sports loft with that infamous beer in uh, lausanne i believe it was um but uh beyond that why don't you tell us a little bit about spark and why they became a member of sports loft why you approached them and what it is that they do Sure. So, yep, Ben uh, was certainly a uh, part of the the founding conversation of Sportsloft. So I think uh, we've got a lot to thank him for uh, with that one. But we first met Spoke back probably three or four years ago, actually, when they were first pitching at uh, a Stadia Ventures event in uh, St. Louis. Um, at the time, they were talking much more about a sort of a, a consumer facing model about providing alternative commentary streams. But I remember when they presented, there was definitely something there and there was something very strong in the founding team um, between Ben and, um, and Prendo, his, his co-founder. Co um, since then, and I think as they sort of evolved, they've much moved to much more of a, a B2B model, if you will. And you've really seen potential customers sit up. So obviously talking to World Rugby um, as well, but you, you've had a lot of different uh players you know scottish premier uh, scottish football uh being a, a recent one and but for me it always very much very much felt like almost the evolution of the red button commentary uh, that you used to be able to get with the alternative commentary streams this just felt it was just taking it to such the next level and beyond as well and since covid with much more of a, an emphasis on remote production they've just been flying uh which has been absolutely great to see but underneath all of that, I think one of the things you always have to remember when you're talking to the guys at Spoke is just about their work ethic. It's off the scale. It really is. I remember seeing Ben um, in London and literally had no idea what time zone he was on with the amount of flights he'd been doing that week between different countries and seeing different customers. But time after time, you just see the guys at Spoke. They are really putting it in. And they really couldn't work any harder to, to achieve what they have. So, you know, in the sense that, a lot of it is often about perseverance and, you know, sticking in there and, and sticking with it. And that they have really done that. So huge hats off to them. But underlying that, there's a fundamentally really sound business there as well. And, you know, we, we hear we hear them talk about that and makes the, the, the same point about the importance of having a partner who's always available and, and, and who works that hard. So it's fantastic to see that. Um, OK, Charlie. Thank you for uh, giving us that insight. Uh, we will let you go and we will jump into a conversation with our two guests. Today we have with us Ronan Donacher from uh, World Rugby, who is the broadcast and IT manager. 
And we also have Ben Reynolds, who is the co-founder and CEO of Spark. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce Ronan. Ronan, welcome to the podcast. And please tell us what you do day to day with World Rugby and how did you guys came to work with Spark and what do you do together with them? World Rugby used to be IRB. I'm with World Rugby since 2003, since the World Cup in Australia, um, which is uh, a long time ago. And yeah, we're seeing new things, obviously, with COVID and stuff. So look, I've been with them a long time, started doing technology. Back in 2014, I ran the project to bring video replay into, uh, into the World Cup in 2015 in England. And that's really where technology uh, and broadcast within World Rugby came together. And we start to see the synergies that we could provide to broadcast. And we also see, you know, the other solutions that we had around the business. So my day-to-day role at the minute is kind of split three ways. I, I assist in the running of the technology department. I um, head up innovation for World Rugby as well. And I also look after, as the title says, broadcast technology, which really is not so much to do, say, with distribution and contribution, the, the typical broadcast technology stuff, but more where technology meets and broadcast on the field of play. So whether it be ref cams, you know, ref audio, trying to get those feeds to different stakeholders within the organization outside of your your typical broadcast. So as you can imagine, we have um, video replay at all our events and we have other stakeholders like social media, like performance reviewers, site commissioners, medical um, stakeholders and team analysts who need access to all that footage. So really that's what I try and improve on on a day-to-day basis. So this is Spark. Uh, we started using Spark a number of years ago. One of the, as I said, and what I do on a day-to-day basis, we have many stakeholders and obviously they come with many business problems. So people in the market like Ben and, and other companies are coming knocking on doors saying, you know, can you use our product and how can we use it and so on and so forth. So Ben's product, if anyone doesn't know it, is a really, really interesting um product it's a real good thing for us because traditionally we were just doing english commentary at our events and it's really down to budget that was the real reason even though we have a number of official languages like english mm-hmm. french spanish and japan japanese um with the uh by integrating spark into our system we were able to go up to i think the most we would up to was maybe nine ten languages on one single sevens hsbc sevens event including hindi um, Malaysian and stuff like that, all these different languages, and it was it was fantastic. It really was. So you know, going from just pure English, and we're trying to engage with people around the world to be able to provide the the sounds to go with the pictures in their own native language really brings them on board and integrates them into the game, which was which was fantastic. Great. And Ben, do you want to give us a little bit of background as to how Spot came about and what uh, uh, what problems it is solving for rights holders? Yeah, for sure. So we just had our fifth birthday. So we've, I guess, graduated from being a, a toddler to that, you. <laughs> that runs around, you know, biting furniture, and 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 now we're, you know, graduating into into primary school and uh, and, and finally starting to grow up a little bit. So yeah, so we the original idea for Spork uh, came in my first year out of university with with a few friends uh, sitting on the couch, and 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 like you always do when you're watching TV you listen to the commentators and you go, oh, I can do a better job than, um, than him, or I can do a better job than her. Um, and we decided amongst a group of friends, why don't we have a go at, at recording our own commentary for, for some events? So I think our, our first event we, we commentated was uh, Australia versus Pakistan 
uh, the 2015 World Cricket World Cup, um, uh, sitting on the couch, um, a few beers in hand, um, sort of having a bit of a, um, a you know a bit of a laugh and, and doing a comedic take uh, on the broadcast. Um, wasn't a business at all, um, but we started doing a bunch of these these broadcasts, and eventually it got to the point where we said, "Hey, is there any interesting technology we we could build uh, to make it easier for people to commentate these matches from home?" And that was really the nexus of of Spork. And and over the past five years, we've moved away from you know a couple of drunk twenty uh, something year olds uh, on a couch talking about. Um, sports um, into a business that's powering commentary for the Paralympics, um, Six Nations, um, World Rugby, um, all sorts of federations and leagues around the world and doing it for professional voices in different languages, all done from home. And when did, when did that pivot happen from providing fans with an opportunity to commentate on it? And, and uh, one, of, one of the funnier things of, of lockdown was uh, was sort of professional commentators commentating on standard video clips of uh, people just doing normal things. I, I found that hilarious. But w- when did that pivot happen to say, actually, the business model here is to offer languages instead of uh, fans the opportunity to, 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 to showcase what they want to talk about on, uh, on a, on a uh, whether it's a broadcast or a live event or whatever it might be? For sure. Well, as soon as we, I guess, started dedicating more time uh, to the business, um, we sort of figured out the first rule of business, which is, hey, you've got to make money somehow. Um, and so what, what that meant is, hey, the NBA and uh, um, the NFL and Premier League don't want average Joes at home uh, pirating rights and, and broadcasting uh, alternate commentary over the top. But maybe they're prepared to stump up and pay for it if you're providing a, a cost-saving measure uh, and a way for them to access new fans. So for us, it, it made a lot more sense for Spork to be an enterprise business um, and to be a business that partnered with these rights holders. And so that was that was really in the first sort of twelve months of uh, us having this idea that we said, "Hey, there's a there's a much bigger opportunity and and an actual business uh, that exists around helping rights holders uh, produce remote commentary." So, Ronan, give us give us an idea based on that kind of the using Spock. How much has that opened up um, new audiences, whether in terms of numbers or territories? Uh, how how has that worked? for world rugby in terms of showcasing your, uh, your um, uh, predominant live rights? Well, you know, we, um, the fact that we sell a right, so, you know, people that buy a rights do that in their own territory and they do their own, they'll take the word be commentary, but they'll, they'll, uh, they'll distribute it in their own territory, whether it be on linear or whether it be pay-per-view or they'll have their own digital channels. So it's really for the areas where either we don't sell the rights or be we hold back the digital rights where we We've really used um, Spock, and mm. to be honest, it's been it's been a breath of fresh air. It's been eye opening. I don't have numbers to give you, but what I can tell you is, fan engagement has gone up. The numbers of people, so the participation of the sport, we define participation not really as someone who plays the game, or people who play the game, but people who are involved in the game. So that includes watching it. So you know, I go back to the earlier comment. People are now watching it and listening to it in their own native language. And that's really helping, you know, it's really helped drive the adoption of the game. Between that and um, the fact we had the first World Cup in Asia back in 2019 in Japan, that's really opened up new markets too as well. And I'm sure Ben will allude to it later on, but we, we use those guys again very successfully during the World Cup. 
And I think it's important to say, you know, I know we're talking about technology here, but I personally, I found what Ben and his team brought to the brought to the party was more than technology. You know, it's the usual you hear the can do attitude and so on and so forth, but it's more than that. You know, maybe it's the Kiwi and I'm not sure, but he wanted this to succeed. This was his baby and there was no way anybody was going to get in his way in a nice way. You know, he not 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 walking over people, but he done basically mm. and that we wanted. If we said we need you up at two in the morning to do a game that's, you know, over in Glendale and Denver or whatever, well then there was somebody up at ten to two ready to take their call and make sure that everything was up and running. And for me, you know, yes the startup and yes the person who starts up is going to be heavily invested in it. But these guys have done it from the start and from any the dealings we continue to have with them, they're still as passionate and still as hungry about what they're doing. You know, I think that says a lot about what what it takes to succeed as a, a as a startup, whether in the tech space or not. Um, uh, and uh, conscious that we're deviating a little bit from what could arguably be the the topic of this podcast. But Ben, give us a I'm I'm fascinated by that. Give us a bit of a flavor of kind of what it was like during those early days, and 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 how much graft you've had to put in to get to this point where Spock is a recognized product being used by a lot of rights holders around the world. Um, and and with a lot of um, annual recurring revenue coming on board and and good investment, like w- what's that journey been like for you uh, to to getting to the point of being able to work with Ronan and and the likes of World Rugby? Yeah, I mean sometimes you have to pinch yourself a little bit with um, some of the folks we get to be um, in the room with. Um, I mean, look, I I don't have kids, um, but I I think I can feel a little bit about what it must be like to have a kid with the way I feel about Spork, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's, you know, all sorts of uh, all, all sorts of uh, people talk about out there about how you've got to try and build an identity out, outside of your startup. But I think we, and it's not just me, also my my co-founder, Michael or, or Prendo, as, as we call him, and Tom, Dave, Nicole, Ashwin, Jun and Cam and the rest of the team, um, everybody works so hard um, and I think everybody really feels like uh, because of what we're doing and how innovative it is and the problems we're solving and we all love sport, um, it's just a fun place to be and a fun thing to do. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I've, I think I've worked the last eight weekends straight, but um, uh, it's it's fun. Um, we get to produce commentary on awesome events. I get to spend my weekends, you know, in the administration portal uh, watching uh, watching various events that might not be on TV for me and uh, things like that. So it's it's awesome fun. And do you still commentate with a beer in hand? Um, I have not been in the booth for many years now. Um, certainly as we've moved up the market and really focused on professional commentators, I, I leave it to the, the professionals. And it's been a big growth area for us has been um, developing that talent marketplace. Um, mm. We now have, and I mean, Ronan mentioned nine languages for, for, for rugby. Um, we've got almost 50 languages across a thousand voices. Um, and we're paying out, you know, very close to six figures a month now to, um, to commentators who are um, doing work for us um, and, and producing commentary for our partners. Um, and we're really trying to build, you know, in, in some ways you could call it an Uber of commentary or a, a marketplace of, of commentary, which makes it easier for our broadcast partners to access the best talent in the world, um, whether they're in Singapore, uh, London, uh, or Rio de Janeiro. That, that's, that's a very good point, actually. That's, again, away from the technology. That's the trust, I suppose, that we, we felt we could put in Ben from the outset because, you know, we wanted to do these languages. And we said, how are we going to know if these people are any good? Like they could be on there in a different language, spouting God knows what, and we would have no idea. Bar, you know, we got some, we got some 
audition tapes, I suppose, from them. We went to the local unions where they spoke the language. And, you know, some people that can understand commentators and they, they get a feel for if commentary is good or not. So we, we did take a punt. But Ben and the guys have never let us down. You know, we've never had someone on there that hasn't done the game justice. Like the passion, you can hear the passion regardless of the language. You know, they're not just mundane reading. God, I hope there's no news readers listening to this. But, you know, not just reading the news. They're actually... <laughs> fully involved there in the game and you know at that that i mean they're great tech they're great people they're great integration services and understanding of technology but they've brought all the ingredients to the party there's no doubt you know i can't think of one single thing and i'm conscious ben hasn't paid me yet but i can't think of one single thing that spock are missing from from what they're delivering and i thought i have a question for ben what what is next for spock you know i'm not saying that you've You've reached the pinnacle of what you're doing because I'm sure you know you've probably seen stuff that you want to do. But I, I, I'm interested to know what are you going to do next with the product? Yeah, so I guess this this podcast is going to double as a, a sales call for me trying to um, get Rona to spend some more money with us. Um, <laughs> but what's um what's, what's, what's next for us? Uh, what's next for us? I mean, the the, the big one uh, is moving uh, to dominate more of the larger sports. Um, so Ronan, you mentioned, you mentioned before about how you're using Spork as a way to produce secondary languages, if you like, markets where you haven't sold those rights. Um, we want to get to the point where, yeah, maybe maybe the English feed is still, the English world feed is still produced on site, um, but we certainly want to help um, some of those rights partners in, in the major markets trust us to produce commentary for traditional linear TV. Uh, so I know Ronan, we've we've spoken about this over over email a few times, but we've we've just released an appliance which is currently being tested with uh, three broadcasters around the world, um, which allows them to use our system for traditional linear television rather than just OTT uh, and social media streaming. So we think that that you know opens us up to some more premium rights and a and a higher end of the market. Um, which is, you know, we, we think that ultimately we, we can be a platform that is powering commentary for the Olympic Games and the FIFA World Cup and, um, you know, all of the Rugby World Cup rather than just the, the radio components or, or some of the secondary and tertiary languages. And do you see yourself, Ben, as a, uh, uh, or do you see the sweet spot as a technology solution or do you see kind of a big factor of differentiation in being the uh proving ground and the the the, the, the um, fomentation ground for a new generation of commentators people who are going to come up from different places than necessarily traditional broadcasting uh, and become the new fresh voices of either sports or regions or um, individual rights holders well I think with a with a bigger valuers and I'm, I'm sure Ronan can attest to this as well is, is helping bringing new fans uh, to events um, look if we can help world rugby grow and develop more of an audience in, in say Russia or India uh, or China um, that's valuable to the federation that's valuable to the broadcaster um, and we would have done our job if we can you know help them pay for our services plus make, you know, 10, 20 times uh, more money on top of whatever it is they've paid us. So I think for us, it's it's all about going from, from partner to partner and understanding where is the audience growth opportunity? How can we help them tap into that through multilingual and influencer commentary? Uh, and then the proof is in the numbers, right? And um, I mean, I think it's an exciting thing 
particularly for rugby because rugby is such a fast growing sport mm-hmm. um where um you know you've got us it's exploding particularly because of you know carlin isles and and, and the seven circuit it's so popular in in, in in the us you've got growing pockets in, in india and russia and brazil and um you know we want to be a part of that international growth and, mm-hmm. and help world rugby and other partners make more money yeah and so ronan talk talk to me a little bit about um, the overall fan engagement piece, because obviously if you were to just do a, a, a rugby event with Spalk and, and it's, it's broadcast in the local language commentary, that's all well and good, but it's not going to drive audience engagement and participation. And it's not actually going to drive anybody watching it necessarily other than a potentially a small hardcore audience in those markets. How do you um, use the reach of world rugby? How do you use technology to layer on um, a to, uh, to 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 promote that broadcast and that and that feed so that people know that it's coming up and then to engage with them and to continue that journey down the funnel to 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 convert them into fans and participants. It's a fantastic question, Yanni. And if we knew the answer to that, we would be in a lot better place. It's um, <laughs> look, it's very challenging. Rugby rugby is big in certain areas and, and, and it's obviously not big in a lot of other areas and we rely extremely heavily on the 128 unions we have around the world and the different regional associations like we run some very very successful programs get sorry not to do a broadcast now but we don't we run some very successful programs with get into rugby um and uh, women's rugby and other events like that to get as many people as involved and to give you an idea of the numbers we're talking about Pre the 2019 World Cup, our CEO, Brett Gosper, went to India on a trophy tour. Now, this is just a tour of the Webb Ellis Cup in India with our CEO. That was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one particular day, I forget what part of India was in, but the next day, 10,000 kids turned up for rugby training that had never signed up before. Now, just think about that for a minute. After a trophy tour, 10,000 new. And if we only got... You know, if only 1% of those continue, there's still 100 people new playing rugby. But again, participation in rugby for us is not just about playing the sports that watching and being interested in the sport. So with that type of um, that type of number of fans coming on board, if we use OTT or if we use social or whatever we might use to show them events and show them rugby, whether it be long-form content, documentaries or actual match footage, you know, the more we can get them uh, ingrained into it and entertained by it because at the end of the day it is entertainment and look some of the traditional sports fans may be saying no it's not it's a sport and yes it is a sport but it's entertainment you know we all everybody wants to watch a good game of whether it be rugby or football or, or hurling in, here in Ireland whatever it might be and if it's boring you'll probably switch off and if it's entertaining you'll stay with it so the more entertaining mm-hmm. we can make the game and if that means on the pitch or if it means if you're in the venue doing something different or if it means helping the match officials small smaller innovations and ideas like do we put up um a little l bar or side bar on the screen to show really what the referee gave a penalty for to engage with the people because rugby is an extremely tough sport to understand with all the rules so again the easier we can make it you know the better so fan engagement, yeah, it's very hard to do. Um, we are trying, you know. We're going to we're going to Auckland next year for Rugby World Cup twenty twenty one for the Ladies World Cup. We're going to Cape Town the following year for the Sevens World Cup in twenty twenty two, and of course we have the Men's World Cup in France in twenty three. So we've lots of premier events, even in the the current state of affairs where there's not a lot happening. We we do have big events to look forward to and to try and keep yeah. fans going, you know. 
Speaking of the, of the current state of affairs, sort of the proverbial elephant in the room and, uh, and COVID, um, it's one, one of the things that is obviously um, sort of accelerated during this time is a focus on technology, is a focus on digital activation uh, and, uh, and kind of engaging with fans in a digital manner because they're not in stadiums. Um, but also there's been a lot of talk about remote production. Uh, which there's been a, a big push towards for cost-saving purposes, but uh, it just so happens that in the current environment, it also becomes a necessity. Um, and Ronan, I assume that your job has probably been made a little bit more complex, given that. Uh, ben, I assume yours has been probably made, uh, if not easier, at least more relevant to a certain degree. So I, I'm curious to hear from both of you, um, starting with starting with Ronan, what what has the impact of, of COVID been so far and, and, and how have you guys dealt with it? So we, we with an eye in brackets beside it, have been trying to, um, trying to investigate. I don't really like remote production, more dis- distributed production because, and I think what BT done at the start of COVID in the UK was fantastic, you know, mm-hmm. where, they, where they actioned it very quick and they went from, you know, uh, remote distributed into people's garages and bedrooms and got it working mm-hmm. at the start. That was fantastic. Look, we've been trying to do it for quite a while. Um, and why have we been trying to do it? Uh, budget one, staff welfare, you know, flying people around the world, particularly at the sevens where they're on double leg events one weekend after the next. But also for other, some of our smaller events where it doesn't make financial sense to say like the under 20 trophy where we have two venues, five match days spread over five weeks. You're putting, mm-hmm. you spend a lot of money putting people up. Anyway, I, 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 I cut to the chase here. What what really worked for us, we've had one event that we've had managed to do this, and that was at the Rugby World Cup 2021 draw last week in Auckland. So mm-hmm. New Zealand, of course, is primarily COVID-free, so the people in Auckland and in New Zealand were able to go to that event, which was fantastic. But we also had a number of um, influencers, commentators, uh, remote, so both in South Africa and in the UK and in New Zealand again, where uh, Sunset and Vine, who are one of our production companies, put together a distributed production package for us. So looking at it online, it was very hard to tell when you were getting your traditional broadcast done from on-site in venue in Auckland, and then they mixed out to doing this distributed production where they had three different people from three different global locations doing a bit of, I'd say commentary, but it wasn't really commentary, on on the event, it was post the event. And it worked well, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, we're all blue in the face, maybe talking to the traditional type of broadcast people and, and the people in-house that don't trust it. And it is about trust, really, you know, because it's about the internet trust and things go up and down. And, you know, we've all had that with Zoom and Teams, et cetera, et cetera. And they've seen it working now, you know, and they've seen BT do it and they see other people doing it. And NEP are doing a lot of work on it. And they understand what Spark have done. And then when you say, well, let's guys remember now, that's done over the internet as well. So bit by bit, it's coming together. I suppose our problem, Yanni, we don't have enough events to keep trying this. So last week we had the 21 mm. draw. In two weeks, we have the 2023 draw in, in France. And then our next broadcastable event will be the sevens next year. You know, So unlike Pro 14 or Six Nations or Samsar that might have events week in, week out, we're not, um, we're not rich when it comes to events, unfortunately. Uh, but I think distributor production is definitely here to stay in, in some shape or form. There's absolutely no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And, and Ben, for sure. And I mean, the, yeah, go ahead. 
I was going to say the way that I've sort of thought about it again, remote production or distributed production or, or IP based production is sort of we we like to talk about it. Um, I think it was it was always going to happen. Um, I think regardless of COVID, everybody is looking at hey, talent is not completely mobile all the time. Um, content's taking place all over the world uh, with the, the capabilities of the internet. Why can't we produce events like we did for the um, or like World Rugby did for the um, for the twenty one draw? So I, uh, for us, I mean, COVID's just accelerated that IP based production has suddenly become the most important thing for every league. Um, rather than being something they were going to get to in, in the next procurement cycle or, um, you know, review at, um, the next time budget comes up, they're saying, look, we need to do it today. Um, mm. Like, there's no way for us to broadcast this event um, because the government says we can't have commentators in venue. Um, so for us, it's probably been the single greatest business development tool um, our business has ever had um, over the last um, six, nine months. Um, and we've, uh, I mean, we've had a variety of cancellations. Obviously, the the seven series with with Ronan and the crew there got um, got pulled off um, at the start of the year. Um, but with everything else, I mean, we've we've got back on on track and in, in sort of April, uh, May, and continue to set record months um, ever since, which has uh, been a net positive um, given the, the sort of dark days of February and March, where I don't think if anybody knew where the sport would would be returning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And I want to I want to take you back to this idea of um, people commenting with a uh, with a pint uh, in, in in a pub and where Spalk was was essentially born. Have you guys um, looked to sort of market or commercialize that as a as a form of branded content or something like that? Get getting uh, getting specific either influencers or uh, people affiliated to a brand to do a special feed for uh, uh, for uh, a rights holder or a sponsor of a particular event or something like that is it is it something that's open has become a, an opening for you or is it strictly about the uh, uh, OTT broadcast of a live event yeah so we, we typically monetize the production budget right so something like the world rugby seven series um, we're a line item on on Ronan's um, production budget for that mm-hmm. event. Um, we have done some occurrences of hey, we're a line item on the marketing budget, or mm-hmm. a line item on the um, on the advertising budget. Um, I think a, a good recent example of um, sort of that influencer piece is with the B League, which is the the Japanese basketball league that we've we've just launched with. Um, they've got a couple of Filipino imports who are who are playing in, in their basketball league. And they came to us and said, "Hey, we'd we'd love to do a, you know an influencer Filipino commentary uh, on the matches where we have Filipino players." Um, and so they were expecting, you know, twenty, thirty thousand views in the Philippines. Uh, and the first match where we had a, a Filipino professional commentator uh, and a Filipino player um, commentating, they got two and a half million views. Um, and so they turned around and said, all right, we're going to renew for the entire season. Um, and that's coming straight out of a marketing and an advertising budget because they know that they're using it to, to target uh, an audience with players, Filipino players, Filipino coaches, all sorts of alternate Filipino commentary um, to drive an audience growth in, uh, in the Filipino market. So it comes down to you know what the priorities are for the league and, and, and where they have budget availability. But especially yeah. in these times, you know, where there's no live sport or there hasn't been for the last few months, Ben, you know, the archive and people's archive, 
you know, and getting players who played in those games to come out and commentate on them again. Surely that's something that, that sports has been doing. It was pretty cool. We um we've seen some cool ones with the uh with the Paralympics, um, a few others with Six Nations and, and Pro Fourteen and a couple other rugby teams around um around the UK where yeah, you're exactly right. They've just rebroadcast a match, but you know, got got a couple of players or, or athletes who were um, competing in the in the match or in the event to come back and, and do the commentary. We've got one with the Paralympics in two and a half hours where they've got two Spanish swimmers and an Argentinian journalist. Um, recapping uh, their performances from from Rio, um, for example, and, and and talking about you know what was going through their mind as they were warming up, and um, what did they eat the night before, and um, you know how was the Olympic Village, and all those sorts of things over the top of uh, the match that they or the, the the swim meet that they received medals in. Like, there's some great characters in every sport. Like even if you, if you go back to rugby, if you had Nigel Owens. You know, if you had someone like Richie McCaw, Tanner Manga, Brian O'Driscoll, those type of people um, in a room, maybe with a couple of beers as well, watching some game that they're involved in and just, you know, doing it off the cuff. That's really, I think that's one thing fans love to see and love to hear. It gives you an insight. It's not just the, the trust of, of the game. And, you know, they're actually saying, all right, I don't really know what I was doing there or watch this bit coming up. You know, I think people are paid to watch that. It sounds, ben, it sounds like you got a deal for some uh, Rugby World Cup historical footage with some, uh, listen, uh, Yanni, some, some listen, great it's Black players. Friday. It's Black Friday coming up, so I'm looking for this 99% <laughs> discount. You know. Perfect. Well, um, Ben's, Ben's giving us one. What's what's next for Spock? So, uh, Ronan, what's what's next for World Rugby from a technology fan engagement perspective? What do you what are you guys looking at? We're bringing it back to basics, Yanni. We're going to try and get the game played first. So we're hoping, um, we're hoping that we'll be able to play some rugby first. Uh, from fan engagement, what's really happened? If we're talking about technology, yeah, we're looking at doing a bit more AR. So we done, we, we were very successful, I feel, with AR in uh, in San Francisco for Rugby World Cup Sevens in 2018. It worked really well, we're well around the Sevens. We done it again in 2019 in Japan. It wasn't really that good, to be fair. We spent a lot more money on it, and we didn't get any bang for buck really. We're, we're going to go again, try that maybe in 21 in New Zealand. Um, we're looking at new ref cams, uh, and, and look, it's not really about fan engagement. You may have noticed that there was no ref cam in 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. Ref cams that are out there at the minute are cumbersome, big, bulky, yep. and don't forget the match officials are wearing. If they're wearing a ref cam, they're also wearing ref mic and they're also wearing GPS units. So, you know, they're out there wearing three vests with maybe eight to 10 to 12 pound extra. And you can see some of them running around. They're very bulky with all the stuff that they're wearing. So you try 90 minutes running around with all this stuff. So we're working with um, BSI and NAP to get a new um, a new version of a ref cam that'll be a lot smaller and then integrated vests. Uh, Sunset Vine have done great work with another company and their name, excuse me, alludes me about um, Postcam that we would have seen in the Autumn Internationals now. Um, that looks quite good. Of course, we've been doing camera or corner post cameras for quite a while. What we are doing will help the fans and will engage. We are looking to do, uh, back to, to Ben's explanation or, or description about IP production, we're looking to bring a number of feeds up into the cloud um, up into a cloud provider to do a bit of live, I won't say different production, but providing, say, the social media guys with live access to multiple feeds. So at the minute, um, social media guys in the sevens do a bit of remote production, I suppose. They, um, mm-hmm. they use one of our other partners for video replay, 
and they access their system remotely and clip up what they want and then they ingest it into their social media platform and away they go. But we're looking to make that a bit better. We're looking to provide, well, we do provide all the feeds, but the feeds in a different type of way. Um, also to other stakeholders that I would have mentioned at the start, like the site commissioners and the performance reviewers, ultimately to make the game better, which you could say ultimately is going to help with the fan experience, the better the match mm-hmm. finishes and the chemo gets. So are we doing anything groundbreaking? Probably not in the next 12, 18 months, but we are doing things better. Uh, we're going to try and do them better, and we'll probably take an eye from other sports as well and see what they're doing. But um, let's try and get the game played first for us. That's going to be the first thing. and make sure everybody is safe doing it. Absolutely. It's all about it's all about marginal gains, and there are no marginal gains to be had if the, ga- if the, if the game itself isn't being played, right? Yeah. Um, like one of the things, just to tell you, one thing does come to mind that Ben probably hears me harping on about the whole time, it's about integration. So like we have multiple providers that provide multiple totally different systems. But for me, you know, there's a lot of overlap. So we've the graphics guys that do the stats for us on the sevens as well. And they're obviously pressing a button every time something happens. So I'll try. And then we have the video replay guys who um, are logging other incidents as well. And then we have these guys in Spoke and social media who love access to all the feeds and information. And we have a fixtures and results system. So I'm trying to get everyone to talk to each other all the systems, so that when the guy taking the stats presses the button, you know, the guys in sport will get a notification, the, 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 all the video feeds are automatically clipped up and made available to social media, things like that. So for me, it's really about integration now and integration of all the systems that we have to get, to get more value for money, really. Makes, makes a lot of sense. And I think the, the, that, that integration is, is so difficult to achieve, but if achieved well, it actually can drive fantastic results uh, and, uh, and grow incrementally as well with, uh, with strong partners. Um, just before we go, Ronan, a, a, little, a little bird tells me that, uh, that uh, you guys take, um, obviously, technology very seriously. And one of the examples of that is that you send a uh, phishing scam test email which uh, a lot of people have failed and need to go on a course of uh, IT for idiots, basically. Is there any truth in that? Or or, or are you not allowed to reveal? No, look, there's some truth, but IT for idiots, none of my colleagues would fall into that that, that pool of people at all. No, you're right, we do. And um, it's, it's, uh, look, it's challenging. There's no doubt. Um, There's a lot of companies have been caught out there. And if people want and take away from sports off podcast, there is another podcast out there. If you go on and Google the one about the cyber attack at the Winter Olympics, I only recently listened oh, yeah. to it, and it yeah, is yeah. it's breathtaking. To um, for me, that comes from a pure technology background, um, it's it's so scary to listen to what those guys went through and how quick they got their systems back up. Like it's mm-hmm. it's amazing, and it happened mm-hmm. so easily. And look, without ruining the podcast for people. This has been going on for months and months and months beforehand. And I'm always wary and conscious that, you know, we click on something today, we have three World Cups over the next three years, right? So, and we're going to the Olympics as well next year. So at what point will we try and be effective? Because let's be honest, someone's going to get us or try and get us, sorry, or try to try and get us all the time. So will we get infected? And more importantly, will we know we've been infected before that big event comes around? Because... Yeah, it's 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 worrying, particularly when you have big brands like HSBC, Mastercard, Heineken, so on and so forth, giving us a lot of money to put their name on the side of the pitch, and then what happens is suddenly something goes wrong, and it's because of a technology fault, and then there'll be a knock on our door. So, and, and look, the same with Ben and his crew. You know, we're paying them to deliver a service, 
if if he's just pressing the button at the start of a seventh event, the next thing the whole thing falls over. He ain't going to be too happy either. And if it turns out that it was somebody clicked on a link for a Black Friday deal two weeks beforehand, you know. Yeah. So people people do need to take it. I know it's a very dry subject, but you know it affects everybody. And uh, yeah, we do like sending out the fishing campaign. And you're right, we do catch a lot of people who who are now in a IT security for dummies course. So it's working well. We're catching them anyway. Well, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't name names, but uh, oh, I will. I know who it is. It's all right. <laughs> they're certain. They're certainly more aware now. And and just just on a serious note, it is something that a few of um, you know our, our, my previous employers have been caught out with and actually paid money to wrong bank accounts and stuff like that. It is mm-hmm. something that happens a lot and, uh, and and needs to needs to be addressed. Um, yeah. All right, gentlemen, uh, that's it for uh, our questions. Before we go, is there anything that, uh, that you would like to add to, uh, to the conversation before I start plugging our podcast and newsletter? I just say thank you very much I mean, for the opportunity, Annie and, and Charlie and Tim, and of course, Ben, for, for assisting with this podcast. It's been fantastic. And uh, best of luck to Ben and all the guys in the future. I'm sure, I've no doubt, they will be a very successful company. I mean, and yeah, thanks, thanks again, Ronan, for um, yeah, you, you trusting us over the uh, the past few years, and looking forward to some more rugby events being back on back on the calendar. And I guess I finish with I'm looking forward to the All Blacks smashing the RGs this weekend to get back at them for the other uh, the other weekend that I've blocked from my memory. Almost be a full moon out there somewhere. Yeah, all right. Yeah, not, 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 not that anybody is harboring a grudge or anything. Well, uh, thank at you. least yeah. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, at least they drew with the Aussies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Greatly appreciate it. All that remains for me to say is to our listeners that if you enjoyed what you listened to today, please click and subscribe to the Sportsloft podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please go to our website, sportsloft.co, and subscribe to the bi-weekly newsletter where our members tell us about what they're reading, what is interesting to them in the world, and we also showcase some important and interesting developments in the world of technology and sports entertainment and media. And all that remains me, uh, for me to do is to thank our guests, Ronan Donker from World Rugby and Ben Reynolds from Spock for a fascinating conversation. We will catch you on the flip side. Take care. Bye-bye.